For the past five weeks, we've been wrestling with the question that Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? And we've heard from a cast of characters uh, found throughout the New Testament. And today we arrive on Palm Sunday, and we're going to explore how Pontius Pilate may have answered that question. Our passage this morning is not our traditional passage that we read on Palm Sunday, but we'll reference back to it. Listen now for the word of the Lord to all of us this day. Then they took Jesus from Caiaphas to Pilate's headquarters. It was early in the morning. They themselves did not enter the headquarters so as to avoid ritual defilement and to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate went out to them and said, "Uh, What accusation do you bring against this man? And they answered, If this man were not a criminal we would not have handed him over to you. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him according to your law. The Jews replied, They are not, or we are not permitted to put anyone to death. This was to fulfill what Jesus had said when he indicated the kind of death he was to die. Then Pilate entered the headquarters again, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Uh, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you ask this on your own? Or did others tell you about me? Pilate replied, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priest have handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not from this world. If my kingdom were from this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. And Pilate asked him, so you're a king? Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. For this I was born and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to to the truth, listens to my voice. And Pilate, and Pilate asked him, what is truth? After he had said this, he went out to the Jews again and told them, I find no case against him, but you have a custom that I release someone for you at Passover. Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? They shouted in reply, Not this man, but but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a bandit. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. And the soldiers wove a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And they dressed him in a purple robe. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. If I were making a movie about Jesus' last week on earth, Our scripture lesson this morning would be the opening scene of the movie. Our passage is the culmination of a week of tension and power and drama and politics. The opening scene would be tightly shot, the faces of Jesus and Pilate flashing back and forth as Pilate questions Jesus. The suspense and drama and music building to the moment when Pilate asks the universal question, What is truth? The screen would then go dark. The name of the movie would flash in the center of the screen. And 
The remainder of the movie would be spent by telling the story of the events of the prior week and just how that truth had been revealed and made known through the life of Christ. I love Palm Sunday. And for much of my life, I jumped right into Palm Sunday, you know, uh, sitting in my pew and waving the palm frond from the pew that was handed to me at the front door. I was swept away by the music and the processional, you know, all glory, laud, and honor to this Redeemer King who on the lips of children, sweet Hosanna's ring. It's intoxicating, is it not? A Sunday marked by warmer weather and longer days. A Sunday that finally gives us a glimmer of hope in the midst of a season of mostly hymns written in a minor key. Oh, my friends, while it is easy to get swept away in the pomp and circumstance of Palm Sunday, we must remember this was a day that kicked off a week of power and politics. A week that kicked off a showdown of religion and empire. We have to remember that uh, Jerusalem during the time of the Passover was combustible. Jerusalem would swell to four times its normal population. It would understandably uh, put a strain on the entire hospitality industry and all the systems that supported them. I mean, friends, you think the line at the grocery store the week of Christmas is bad? Huh. Jerusalem? Jerusalem could barely make room for everybody. Uh, Jews from every region would make the pilgrimage to Jerusalem to celebrate the high and holy day of Passover. Passover. Remembered, reenacted, and connected the Jewish people to that very first Passover. The very first Passover that occurred on the evening of the 10th plague to strike Pharaoh and Egypt, namely the death of the firstborn in every household in Egypt. To quote New Testament scholar Marcus Borg, that plague was the hammer that broke Pharaoh's will, and the Hebrew slaves were finally liberated. So thousands of Jews would enter Jerusalem to memorialize the first Passover and Exodus by bringing it into the present to be reminded and to be reoriented to the truth that the Jewish people are a liberated people by the great and mighty hand of God Almighty. Friends, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm just going to take a wild guess that those in political power get a bit nervous when thousands of people gather to celebrate, memorialize, and reenact the very moment when God toppled over a previous ruler, exposing their injustice, exposing their policies, and siding with the oppressed, the marginalized, and the enslaved. I mean, I'm just guessing. If you are in a seat of political power, naturally, you would have to be a bit on edge. I mean, that's where Pilate finds himself. 
let's be clear. Pilate is a savvy politician. Didn't you hear that in the text? Pilate knows that he has a role to play. He has a job to do. I mean, he has to give room for people to celebrate. But he can't give them too much room. Because if he gives them too much room, that would allow for an insurrection. I mean, Pilate's got to keep the peace. Pilate knows his history. He knows that 50 years before, uh, there had been an uprising during Passover. Blood was shed. Chaos reigned. Pilate knows that. He knows he has to lead with force and yet also be politically savvy enough to know how to go with the crowd. So on Sunday of Holy Week, Pilate takes off as part of a military transport from Caesarea Maritima. That was uh, where he lived, his beautiful and sprawling seaside fortress. His transport was uh, what the military would call a show of force. Cavalry on horses, foot soldiers, leather armor, helmets, spears, banners, golden eagles mounted on poles, and chariots. Oh, it's a scene meant to send a message. I mean, the Roman Empire is the most advanced and powerful empire the world has ever seen. And they are sending a message that they are here to stay. I mean, it would have been quite a scene. It's quite an image. On the very same day, that Sunday, some argue at the very same time that Pilate is entering Jerusalem in that military transport, that is the exact moment that Jesus enters Jerusalem, having traveled from the north. But Jesus arrives to Jerusalem, not in a military parade, but on the back of a donkey. Crowds greeting him with shouts of Hosanna, save us. Oh, the images could not be starker. One scholar says, Pilate's procession embodied power, glory, and violence of the empire that ruled the world. Jesus' procession embodies an alternative vision. Jesus' procession embodies the kingdom of God from the beginning, from the very beginning. The entire week sets the stage for how these two competing kingdoms will collide and will ultimately lead to Pilate and Jesus meeting face to face. We know from the text that Pilate had heard of Jesus. He knows of this character, Jesus of Nazareth. And don't you know uh, there was a, an intelligence file on him? And don't you know that Pilate received daily security briefings of Jesus' movements throughout the city, what he was eating, who he was hanging out with, what he had done that day? Oh, I imagine Pilate was pleased to learn in those security briefings on Monday and Tuesday that the energy surrounding Jesus' entry had mostly died down. But when the religious leaders bring Jesus to Pilate, <laughs> 
They're standing there face to face. I imagine that Pilate knows that this moment's going to require all of his political resolve. I believe that Jesus was a mystery to Pilate. Honestly, I think it's why Pilate uh, didn't with a wave of his hand do what was expected and ask. You know, just get rid of him, end his life. I think it's why uh, Pilate talks with Jesus himself. I think it's the reason that he ultimately says, you know, I find no reason to put this person to death. I've wondered this week what Pilate saw when he stood before Jesus. I mean, what must Pilate have seen in Jesus' eyes? Resolve? Courage? Authority? Dare I say, compassion? Pilate uh, ultimately does what we so often do. He chooses his own comfort and stability over personal suffering and loss. And he sends Jesus to the cross. He sends Jesus to the cross, a, a show of force that made that military parade look like a warm-up exercise. And can't you see it? The final scene of the movie, when all is said and all is done and the body's been taken down, can't you just see that final shot of Pilate standing there, asking himself the question that he asked of Jesus? What is truth? It was a question never intended for Jesus to answer. He had answered it with his entire life. It was the question intended for Pilate and for you and me and each of us to answer. My dear friends, to be a person of faith means to answer this question with our very lives. Thanks be to God for Jesus, who shows us the way in how we begin to answer that question. Thanks be to God for a God who makes room for us on this day and all of our days. May it be so. Amen.